War Party U is not licensed by, affiliated with, or endorsed by the University of Utah. All views and opinions are those of and by War Party U and War Party U alone. Thank you. This is War Party U. This is War Party U. I'm Ryan Boyce. Just kidding. This is Matt. Ryan's got the week off this week to tend to some matters. We're going to have him back on the next episode of War Party U. But lucky you, you get the match show today. And I'm going to bring it, baby. I'm going to bring it. Well, not really. I'm just going to do what I do. And hopefully you like it. Hopefully you find it at least marginally entertaining. All right, this week we're going to dig into uh, the week in the Pac-12. It's a bye week for the Utes, so no game to talk about. So let's see what we can come up with. First of all, though, Ryan is famous for dropping in dope musical tracks, yo. So I'm going to get this started off with a tribute to my buddy Ryan Boyce. This is Ryan Boyce with Virginia. Enjoy. Yeah. 
That was the incomparable Ryan Boyce with his track Virginia, a tune that has a deep place in Ryan's heart and a tune that I enjoy listening to. So let's get it rolling and uh, let's take a look at the week that was in the Pac-12. Well, hey, Ute fans, we did it. We got through the bye week. That week every year where message boards start to light up like it's the off-season and internet posters are going at each other and the fan police are out in force. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of positive and a lot of negative. I've seen a lot of people saying the youth season, oh, it's over now. Yeah, we lost a game. And it's not because we lost a game. It's because of how we looked losing those games. But, man, can you guys not remember – in the great Sugar Bowl season of 08, I mean, we were winning games against like New Mexico 13-10, winning them ugly. But just, you know, it doesn't have to be pretty. Just win so you can get it figured out. Utes were, were you know, were embarrassed against a superior opponent in Washington. I don't know that they're that far superior. I think the Utes had a lot to do with that, with their inability to get in sync offensively. Hopefully the bye week has cured a few of those ills, get a chance to – uh to get down, get down, simplify things, slow the game down, and uh, honestly, my, my biggest wish for the uh, for for this off week is Zach Moss, man, get healthy. Also, to Troy Taylor, remember you have several running backs behind Moss who are perfectly capable of carrying the ball. I'm not an offensive strategist. I'm not a coach. I'm just a fan. But guess what? Armand Shine has looked good before. Devin Brumfield, you know what? TJ Green, give him a chance. That's how these guys have gotten come up and 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 made their hay with this team. You know, it's it it's not gonna be, it's it, it's no secret. Next man up. And uh, you know, I trust the coaches to do the right thing, to make the right calls and put the players in a position to win. So far, the execution's been a little bit lacking questionable play calls occasionally, although against Washington, I thought that the play calling was pretty decent. Just the execution wasn't there. Huntley looked off on, on, on his touches a little bit. Uh, he wasn't, he didn't look like he was, he was making all of the reads down. It looked like he's just going to his first read every time, but that's just me regurgitating crap that I've heard. And from what I've seen from highlights. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. Uh, ESPN is not calling me to come be an analyst anytime soon. So, you know, I'm just pretty much a, you know, a a guy that can spout facts occasionally, drink a few beers, cheer, go eat some good grub, and have fun. Let's talk about football. Let's talk about being a fan. Um, let's take a quick look at uh, how how the week shook out for the conference mates that did play. Several teams from the Pac-12 were on bye weeks, so uh, a little bit of a truncated schedule for the conference. USC outlasted Washington State at the Coliseum. Now, you know, USC seemed to kind of get in sync and that especially, um, you know, especially JT Daniels is looking more and more comfortable, man. And I'll tell you what, the kids got skills and he's getting it figured out. He's going to have them in a good place for a long time, provided they can get the rest figured out. But USC takes it down 39-36 in a little bit of a shootout. That was on Friday night. Then Saturday, the game of the day for me, the game of the weekend, 
Number seven, Stanford takes down number 20, Oregon, 38-31 in Eugene in a game that the Ducks had all but tied up. They're driving. They're trying to kill clock. They're trying to force Stanford to use their timeouts. The Oregon running back coughs up the ball. Stanford gets the ball back. Oh, my gosh. What a, just how frustrating has that got to be? A um, few questionable calls, as there always are with Pac-12 refs. Uh, but uh, but Stanford gets the win, and Stanford, you know, to me, looks like the class of the conference at this point. Uh, consistent, solid. Uh, Bryce Love took a week off the week before, got in some on some limited reps uh, against the Ducks, uh, eighty nine yards and a touchdown. But that, you know that kid's something special when he's healthy. Um, Arizona State went up to Seattle and got come home with a loss against number ten Washington at the time. Number 10, Washington, who dropped a spot in the poll despite beating Arizona State at home. So that shows you that, you know, that people aren't really paying attention, um, but also that, you know, that Washington maybe isn't quite what we had chalked them up to be as the Pac-12's lone hope for the college football playoff. Honestly, I don't know if the Pac's going to get into the playoff this year. Just my two cents. And then finally, Arizona went into Reeser Stadium, the big potato salad. Corvallis, Oregon, gets the win 35-14 against the not-so-mighty Beavers. I've said it on every edition of the podcast, and I probably will say it every week. It's going to be a long season in Corvallis, folks. And that's a shame. I have several good, good friends who are Oregon State fans and faithful and I want nothing but happy things for them. So, you know, come on, football gods. Let's get a little mojo the Beavers way. Let's get it going, huh? Well, that's how it shook out last week in the Pac-12. Stay tuned for more War Party U after these important announcements. I'm back. It's Matt in your face. War Party U weekly podcast. Well, we've... Uh, Got a full slate of games coming up this weekend in the uh, in the conference. Let's take a look around the league to see who's where. Of course, Utah traveling to the Palouse in Pullman, Washington, to take on the mighty Washington State Cougars. Man, you know why can I not cringe just saying the word Cougars? Man, all right, you know it's ingrained. It's a lifelong thing. UCLA and Colorado squaring up in Boulder. Both coming off a bye week. Colorado's favored by 10 points in that game, and it could be a lot uglier than that. But, you know, I've been known to be wrong. Uh, Colorado flying high 3-0 and going into the bye. UCLA, the bye couldn't come fast enough, 0-3. And Bruins fans are collectively sobbing. But, hey, Chip Kelly's in town, right? So it's a natty or bust, I guess. So uh, you've got number seven, Stanford, heading to Notre Dame to take on the number eight Fighting Irish, a battle of four and zero top ten teams. The game of the week in uh, you know as far as nationally nationally in the in the conference, but you know that'll be that'll be a good one. I'm really really pulling for the Cardinal in that one because they kind of seem to be the only team in the conference right now that top to bottom uh, you know has it has it going and has it working and and get or is getting those lucky bounces too because that's a huge part. Of, of having a special season is getting those lucky bounces to go your way, uh, no matter how well you play. So, uh, you know, we'll see. It'll be it'll be a good one. 
Uh, in Seattle, the number 11, Washington Huskies, dropping a point, dropping a point in the polls after coming off a win against previously ranked Arizona State University. Shows you how much they love and respect the ball being played out here, or might just tell you how much they are paying attention as BYU is ranked number 20, and Cal Bears, who went into Provo and punked the Cougars, are ranked 24th and have not lost. So you explain that to me. It's kind of like Pac-12 officiating. There is no rhyme. There is no reason. And it sucks. As I was saying, number 20 BYU is at number 11 Washington. Uh, Washington is favored at this point by 18. Uh, And let's be honest, you know, I'd love to see Washington just destroy BYU. But something tells me, man, if, if, you know, if, if BYU gets this upset, this weekend, the wheels are just gonna the, the wheels are gonna come off of, of Cougar Nation from so many people trying to jump back on. And suddenly Lavelle Edwards Stadium will probably get a sellout after how many how I mean, I don't know when the last sellout was. I really don't care. Uh, but you know, clearly I do a little bit. Um, I'll blame all of those years of the ribbing, man. Because for some of us, it's ingrained. It really is. Oregon State is in Tempe to take on the Sun Devils. And uh, come on, come, come, come on, Beavs, get it going, get it going, Beavs, go get one. Oregon, number nineteen in the in the country right now, is going into Berkeley to take on the number twenty four California Golden Bears. Wow, Cal's ranked, man. Cal is ranked. That's something special. And then finally, in the nightcap on ESPN two. USC favored by three and a half against Arizona going into Tucson ready to smash some helmets because apparently that's a thing now. Um, You know, that's just, that's a conversation we'll have here in a bit. Let's leave it at that. Um, That's how the schedule is looking for the coming week in college football for the PAC 12. Uh, Some really interesting matchups. Like I said, uh, that Stanford-Notre Dame tilt is going to be something. And then uh, you know, it's, it's always good when a couple of ranked teams go in and mix it up. Uh, but, you know, you, you, I'd have to imagine that whoever loses that game between Oregon and Cal is going to drop out of the rankings altogether. So, you know, it could be a, a short-lived uh, uh, time in, in, in the polls for one of those teams. But we'll see how it goes. And we'll be back with more War Party You. Well, hey, Ute fans, it's me, Matt, back with a very special interview. This is my daughter, Quinn. Quinn, say hi. Hi. Quinn, do you love the Utes? Yeah. Tell me why you love the Utes. Are they fun? Mm Mm-hmm. What does Daddy do when he watches Utah games? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Does he, do I go a little crazy? Uh Uh-huh. What do I do? You like the football game. And do I yell a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. Do I get crazy? Mm-hmm. Excellent. <laughs> what do you think of BYU? It's not fun. BYU, huh? Yeah. So when you see somebody at the store and you see that they're wearing Utes gear, what do you say to them? Utah. Awesome. Well, Quinn. Mm-hmm. Thank you for joining me on War Party U. Mm-hmm. Can you say, hoist the colors? Hoist the 
colors. Say war party you. War party you. And finally, should we give it a go Utes on three? Ready? Yeah. One, two, three. Yay! Go Utes! Hey, Ute fans, it's me, Matt, a.k.a. Matty Bumbo, a.k.a. Matty Aces, a.k.a. Nicely Nicely Johnson. Sit down! So, you know, bye week is fun because there's no game for my team, so I have to look at other teams' play, and I have to think about things that are not related to an actual football game for my squad. I hate the bye week, but I love the bye week. Wish list for the bye week. Let's get some offensive crap figured out, man. Let's get some stuff figured out because, honestly, Zach Moss needs to be at 100% for this Ute team to be firing and have any chance at stuff. Right? Right. However, the next man up mentality dictates that the next man up handles the load. I was a little bit perturbed to see against Washington that that didn't happen. Zach Moss was not 100%. According to Coach Whittingham, he was running on two bum ankles. Okay, let the man sit, let the man rest, let the man heal. Armand Shine, calling you, brother. Devin Brumfield, TJ Green, let's mix it up. There's no reason that Tyler Huntley needs to take that rushing load because, you know, eventually he's going to take that hit that puts him out. Lord knows the, the, the Huskies were trying to take Britton Covey out of it. While we're on the subject of those hard hits, though, can we talk about targeting for a minute? Targeting. Targeting that saw Marquise Blair and Lecky Fotu both shown the door against Washington. Fast forward to this last weekend. Just in the Washington State-USC game, there were three plays that were blatant targeting. I mean, just egregious. I know you've seen the video. I've seen you've, you've seen it played a thousand times. And you've seen, you know what I'm talking about. But good Lord, can we get a little bit of consistent officiating in this conference? Good God. You know, this is supposed to be big time college football. It's hard enough being on the West Coast where people on the East Coast aren't going to stay up late enough to watch this 8.45 p.m. Pacific time kickoff. Or, you know, what is this? ESPN Big Monday back in the 90s for basketball and a midnight game? You got to be kidding me. And I mean, these were just vicious, egregious, borderline felony hits. Not even a review, not a look, not a mention. Eh, yep, well, okay. Eh, well, I don't know. It's kind of funny. So, man, I guess I've got an issue with the Pac-12 officiating, but I'm not alone in that. So, Larry Scott, I know that television deals are challenging for you. I know that public relations are equally challenging. I have love and respect for you, man, because, man, ultimately, Larry Scott's the commissioner that brought the Utes into the conference. I will always have a warm, fuzzy spot in the back of my heart for that man. However, we're in the conference now. We're a member, and we will live and die with this conference, So, as it were. So, Larry Scott, I don't know if he, I think it might be time for, for, for new leadership in the conference, honestly. I think that might be where we are just because, you know, you've got to get your product in front of viewers. And it's hard enough when you've got the that that inherent East Coast bias and whether that's a an actual bias or whether it's just a complacency. I mean, you look at it. If you're paying attention, there's no way in hell you rank Cal below BYU. Really, 
there you you can't head to head man Wisconsin may not be everything that we thought they were they may well be we don't know yet at the time they were ranked number six BYU goes in and gets the upset that's great but the head to head matchup in Provo Cal won two three and O teams explain to me the logic of ranking BYU four spots higher than Cal go ahead I'll wait no, um, nothing. Cool. All right. Well, glad we had this talk. We just need to get some consistency in here, guys. You know, it's supposed to be big time college football, power five football. The refs aren't cutting it. The officiating crews are trash. And, you know, to a certain extent, Make me start to believe that maybe there is some kind of a, an inherent bias there for the for the league to get their their name teams continuing to win, continuing to be up there, continuing to have a shot at that playoff. Like I said, I don't know that the Pack gets any teams in the playoff this year. I don't think that any. I don't think any of them at this point. You know, a whole what four games into the season, I don't know that anybody deserves it. But we'll see. We'll see how the play season pans out. Um, that's just me ranting and raving, in part because there's no game to talk about, but in part because I'm a little bit pissed off and I want to see some change. And you know what? This podcast, week one, we reached about 22 people. Week two, we almost hit 30. Week three, we cleared 30. Week four, the fourth edition of the podcast has drawn to date 49 listens. We are on the up and up to sky's the limit, man. That first 49, then 49,000, baby. You know we're going to be in a household name pretty soon, right? I mean, I don't know if you heard that or not. But um, somebody told me at the tailgate against Washington that, man, we were destined for bigger and better things than, than what we're currently doing. And I believe that. Of course, that person was probably the little guy that appears on my shoulder every time I've had a few too many beers. So take that for what it's worth. But we'll see. You know, it's it, the bye week is done. We got football coming up, and it's all good. It's football season, man. I love fall. I love ball. We'll be back. What's up, Ute fans? It's me again. Your favorite Matt. I'm the other white Matt. Uh, Matty Bumbo, a.k.a. Matty Aces, coming at you for War Party U Weekly Podcast. A little segment we like to call... Filling time on the bye week since we really don't have a game to talk about. And I got to thinking about urban legends. Uh, growing up in Salt Lake, you know, you had stuff like, you know, there's Emo's Grave. That's a lot of fun. The Lady in White up in the Avenue Cemetery. Man, that is some freaky shit. Okay, that is next level creepy. But, you know, there's one thing that has always fascinated me since I was a little kid. And that is the Fountain of Ute. So I got digging around and, you know, the age of, of accessibility and internet, I didn't have to look too far uh, before I came across the winter 2009 edition of Continuum, the magazine of the University of Utah, who in with whom we are not affiliated. Um, an article called Wondrous Water by John Youngren. And, uh, 
I got to reading a little bit, and 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 it does. It talks about the little funny shack on the on the on the U of U campus, uh, on the Rice Eccles property. If you've you've seen it, it's just a little brick building, uh, pretty nondescript. It's on uh, it's on the it's west of the stadium, uh, on the south side. Little sign, hand painted sign up there that says Fountain of Youth. So, you know, what is the Fountain of Youth, and uh, you know, what is its place in Utah mythology, and uh, and John Youngren says that, as with Ponce de Leon and a certain other fountain, I began my search. And that's where I began my search. Um, now, it points to, uh, this referenced me to, uh, to, a, to a quirky little story, as Mr. Youngren calls it. Um, and uh, it pointed me to yet another publication from 2009. Matt, what was it about 2009 that got everybody all up about urban legends? But probably because urban was gone. Um, probably because, you know, we came off of the sugar bowl and man, we were, we were loaded. And then the, uh, the following season in that TCU game happened and whoa, oh, hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm I'm gonna curl up in the fetal position for a second, just thinking about that game in the damn blackout camo jerseys and everything. I don't yeah, okay. Not happy times. Let's get back to something a little bit more quirky, like the fountain of Ute. So this is an article in Red Thread, um, a, a blog site for, run by the university. Uh I've uh, reached out to both Continuum and uh and to uh, Red Thread, made sure I had permission to 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 to, to reference them and and everything. And, and the 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 person I talked to from Continuum wanted to make sure that I understood that this is not real. This is all urban legend, and I refuse to believe that. So, you know, we had our differences and, and ate a piece of pie, and everything was happy. So, uh, the mysterious tale of the Fountain of Ute, as told by Andrew Thompson Landergini, May twenty eighth, two thousand nine on Red Thread. At the west end of Rice Eccles Stadium sits a nondescript brick building with a few windows. Above the door, etched into the south wall, reads Fountain of Ute. Originally built in 1931 to be a culinary well for campus, the site was acquired by the U in 1950, after which some of the U's brightest biochem and geology students began using the building as a research lab. This same group of students the rad scientist went on an intramural sports run that has yet to be rivaled at the U, winning four consecutive titles in basketball, flag football, and Glendale ski jumping. Now, or Galand ski jumping, but I'll, let's call it Glendale ski jumping because, you know, that just brings to brings like visions of really awesome stuff out in Glendale. Man, maybe there's ski jumping out, you know, a park where they filmed the Sandlot or something, man. But uh, there it is. Man, they won a lot. And these were scientists, man. Come on. Scientists. Ripping it up. And it, it, that, there's got to be something there, right? There's got to be something to a bunch of science geeks kicking ass in intramural sports for that long and that many. I mean, come on. Basketball, football, and ski jumping. That is some well-rounded athleticism right there. Some of the old timers that still remember the intramural reign by the rad scientists recall the team always bringing its own water cooler to every event. After the students graduated, they moved on to different parts of the country and left the lab empty. But before they left, they hung a sign, the Fountain of Ute, that we see today, and they left a key to the building in a hidden spot somewhere on campus. It is believed that basketball coach Jack Gardner 
knew of the rad scientists and their research lab and directed some of the lackeys in the athletic department to find the key. No one known as if they found anything, but Gardner's clubs did make it to the final four twice during the 60s. However, years later, one of the rad scientists, Adam B. Split, told the Salt Lake Tribune, no way Gardner found the key to the Fountain of Youth. Otherwise, they wouldn't have lost a game. Split would not comment on what the fountain, what was in the Fountain of Ute or what made it so magical. Word is Urban Meyer and a group of assistants caught wind of the Fountain of Ute story when he arrived on campus and began a search for the key. And for the entire summer of 04, men in red and black tracksuits could be seen scouring campus. Whether Meyer and the football program found the key to the Fountain of Ute is still unknown, but the coach did leave a receipt to Doc's key shop in his desk whether he made a copy of the key to the Fountain of Youth to take with him to Gainesville is pure speculation. It also rumored that Meyer taped a copy of the key to the bottom of his desk for Coach Whittingham. Gonna guess Witt didn't find it. The mainstream media credits the championship success merely to talented programs. Some attribute the success of the, of the Artesian Well and the Cold Canyon stream water. Others say the well draws from a molten sample of tectonic plates boiling and stirring in the fault lines asthenosphere. And that this unique combination of magnesium, iron, silica, and Wasatch mountain water heightens the senses and sets off a hidden neuron in the brain that just wants to win, dubbed the wind switch. A university spokesperson will neither confirm nor deny the story. Interesting, is it not? Fascinating, is it not? Oh, I say it is. I say it is. Liz Abel, who was at the time was the associate athletics director and sports information director for the Utes, uh, claimed to have never heard of it, seen the building or the sign, but she'd only been here there for 26 years. You know, understandable denials aside, it did seem a little bit extreme, even for Utah representatives looking to avoid connections to magical radioactive water. But I've seen the building. I know it's there. A peek inside, locked by creaky doors with worn padlocks offers very few clues as to what exactly it houses or used to house, though one is able to see a danger, high-voltage sign or two. Another allusion to radioactivity, perhaps? Certainly appears less magical than marginal. You know, I don't know if it's real. I like to think it is. Which brings me to another interesting thought. A few years ago, when... Athletic director Chris Hill tried to distance himself and the program from our little brothers down south. It spurned a tantrum the likes of which this state rarely sees unless there's booze, weed, or sex involved. And that is Utah versus BYU. Launching a state audit of the university's athletic program because we're going to get those pesky Utes. We know they're up to something shady. It did result that there were missing keys that should have been accounted for at the Huntsman Center. Now, I'm not saying, but this Ute fan thinks that one of those missing keys is the key to the legendary Fountain of Ute. And I'll tell you what. We need to find that bad boy. We need to use that bad boy. And we need to put it squarely in the hands of Coach Kyle Whittingham. Onward and upward. Go Utes! It's Matt again. Did you miss me? I bet you did.
I hope you did. I missed you. Let's take a quick look at uh, the matchup coming up on Saturday at 4 p.m. Mountain Time. Which is good because those 8 o'clock games, man, they damn near kill me. I'm an old man. I can't be up that late often, that often, once in a while. Um, the booze certainly helps. So currently, Utah gets a point going in to, uh, to Martin Stadium. Utes uh, favored by a point. But if you look at the ESPN matchup predictor, it gives Washington State a 59.6 chance at winning. What does that mean? Absolutely jack shit. I don't know. That's why they play the game, right? So, you know, looking at this, this is obviously, you know, the 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 two powers coming into this game are Utah's defense and Wazoo's offense. Uh, right now, uh, Washington State is averaging 484.5 yards per game. 401 of that, almost 402 coming in the air. Uh, you know, only 82 of the, uh, 82 on the ground per game. So, you know, clearly, you know, as is always the case with this air raid offense of Mike Leach, it's all going to come through the air. And so this is going to be such a great test for our secondary. Uh, I am really excited about that matchup because I think that we have one of the best secondaries in the country, if not the best. Um, and I mean, just you know, just look at it. Casey Hughes transferred out, so they can go to Michigan and get more playing time. That's how stacked the Utes are in the defensive backfield. So, what we got going on? I need my man Black Julian Blackman pick six. I need Jalen Johnson to get a pick six. In fact, let's get a pick six across the board. If we can get both starting corners, both starting safeties with a pick six in this game. I like Utah's chances. Now, that is quality football analysis, folks. Really. You find me another podcast wannabe who's willing to go out on a limb and say that if Utah scores four defensive touchdowns against Washington, against Washington State this Saturday, that the Utes will come out a winner. In fact, I will guarantee it. If we get four defensive scores, Utes win. Hands down, take it to the bank. I know. I know. I'm going out on a limb. I do it for you. I do it for the listeners. All 49 of you. Because you know what? Next week, it might be 50. Of course, it might be three. Um, you know, going back and listening to these podcasts is always so much fun because you're just always your own worst critic. But, you know, it's 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 a good time. I am really enjoying this. I'm enjoying talking to you. I'm enjoying the fact that you're still listening to me drone on about something that I know next to nothing about. That's the beauty of the Internet. That's the beauty of technology, folks, is that some schlep who thinks he knows a little bit about football admits he really doesn't know that much about football, can sit here in front of a microphone and talk, and you'll listen. It's entertainment, right? It's entertainment. So come on. Utes got to get the, the ground game going. You know what? Pound it. Clock control. Control the clock. Don't turn the ball over. Uh, you know, Utes can score on this, on, 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 this, on this Washington State team. I think they should be able to. Um, the biggest thing is going to be controlling that clock. Don't give Washington State all a ton of possessions to, to sling it around just because by sheer numbers, some are going to connect. They're going to get it going. You're not going to be able to completely shut that passing game down. Um, you know, I mean, uh, since joining the league, uh, the Utes are two and three against Washington State. 
Um, and we're on a three-game losing streak against them. Since Mike Leach came in, it's been it's been pretty much lights out. Um, and I I don't you know I don't know what to think of this game. I really want to have the confidence that the, that we'll get some 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 offense figured out. Uh, but realistically, you've got to put up you got to put up thirty five points to to really feel comfortable about winning this game. Um, you know, Wazoo's averaging forty one point eight uh offensively and allowing 20.5 per game Utes are only averaging 21.7 points per game and let's be honest it has not been pretty it has not been pretty at all um defensively however Utes are are, are giving up 12.3 points per game you know so obviously this is going to have to be something where the defense comes out and sets the tone get the crowd out of it grind them into oblivion start punching them in the mouth early and let the run game happen. Let them let let it go. Wear them down. You know, Hercules Mataafa is not on that line anymore. That dude was a beast. That dude was a Superman, man. I really love that dude's game, and I'm really glad we don't have to face him on Saturday. So, as always, prediction for me. You know. I think that I just haven't seen enough to feel comfortable enough about it. I think it's a close game, but I think Washington State ends up winning. Um, we'll call it 24 to 21. Uh, Utes defense comes to play, holds them to, all, to, to, to almost half of their usual output, output. But as has been the case, offensively, we just need to get it figured out. And until, the, until they show me that they can, I'm going to be a little bit hesitant to pick to pick the Utes in, 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 in road games like this. Uh, so, you know, my heart says the Utes, man, my heart says they get it figured out. My heart says Zach Moss is going to be a hundred percent and we'll just churn them and to grind them to dust under his boot heel. But the realist in me says, yeah, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it yet. I really haven't seen, I mean, you know, I didn't see it against Weber. I didn't see it against NIU. I sure as hell didn't see it against Washington. So uh, we'll see what happens. I guess that's why they play the game. Utes, Cougars, Saturday, 4 p.m. on the Pac-12 network. Available anywhere. Streaming services are available except for DirecTV. So, yeah, hey, Larry Scott, there's another one for you. Go get that TV concert, contract figured out, man. Whatever.
Next week on War Party U Weekly Podcast, we'll bring you musings, thoughts, and really half-assed analysis of Utah versus Washington State, as well as the rest of the slate of Pac-12 games. We will wax poetic about subjects heretofore unspoken. We'll probably imbibe a few cocktails. And as always, we'll be here for your entertainment needs. For War Party U, my brother Ryan Boyce, Ute Nation, and three-fifths of all active practicing dentists in the United States. I'm Matt Allen, and this is War Party U. Peace. Peace.